This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You could stand at half cut and rep better than these guys. Oh, smart down, and it's called for another foul. Tic-tac-o. And we are back with another episode of From the Raptor. Sam and I are here recording on Friday, November 5th. And we have with us today Bobby Manning of CLNS Media and Boston Sports Journal. Uh, how are you doing today, Bobby? I'm great. Good to be back. Lots of good defense to talk about. <laughs> That's what I'm all about. I, I've been waiting for two years for this team to play some defense, and it's here. <laughs> Top 10, baby. Uh, ironically enough, haven't played defense since a, a certain man has been back on the roster. Uh, based on your two-year mark, and I can see the jersey in the background on on your view. So let's ju- let's just start there. Sam wanted to bring it up, so I'll, I'll let him intro the topic. But y- you both know who I'm talking about. Yes, um, Al is the man. Um, he- happy to have him back. You know, Bobby was in on Al. I believe we had you on before they traded for him, Bob. And then, you know, we were. I was saying it, and you were saying it, and we we were agreeing. Jack was not convinced, and, and now here we are. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Jack, you were like, oh, I don't know. He's old. The money doesn't work. <laughs> hey, it's fine. You can get on the bandwagon at any point you want. This guy, it looks like he never left. I don't think anyone expected this. I mean, you you would have accepted some percentage of Al coming back with this roster and helping them out doing some of the things he does. But lean the league in blocks, uh, doing some of the things he's doing in the passing game and just switching at the rate he has at the level he has it's unbelievable what he's and then the play of the night last night that stopped that heat run uh you know the little corner shake sending a few guys one way going downhill throwing it down with one hand in traffic it's unreal i mean he talked all off season about how fresh he felt and how great that layoff was for him i think some other players are gonna have to try a, a 60 game break after this one a 50 game break whatever it was from there because it did him wonders at 35 i mean fountain of youth is is doesn't even cover it right i mean scow was saying it a few games ago on the broadcast like he looks like he's a rookie again and and he somehow kept up that production like you said he's leading the league in blocks and, and even the shots he's not blocking. i mean he wasn't even doing that last time he was here right even his exactly. all-star seasons mm-hmm it's incredible. I mean, you can't not love what you're seeing from Horford. Um, and it makes you question whether or not the double bigs lineups wants, you know, should be working. But then Williams isn't playing that bad either. I mean, he's not going to put up the same box score numbers with Al there as well. But I thought Williams has looked great. Uh, what do you think of the double big so far, Bobby? Because obviously last year with Tyson Thompson, it wasn't exactly the same thing. Yeah, the numbers are good. I believe they're, what, plus eight in that lineup per 100, I believe. The defense is really good in that unit. The offense is down a little bit. And honestly, some of the offensive numbers this year are hard to gauge because offense is down around the league in general. I think they're like a 102, which is probably still low, even with the offense lower around the league in that group. Uh, there's not a ton of shooting, no matter who you're mixing in there with the double bigs. And Horford hasn't shot well this year. That's really the one thing they're missing from him to start this season. I don't know what the percentage is exactly, but it's low for him. And Rob doesn't give you any shooting and really hasn't given you a ton of spacing in a vertical aspect either to start this year. So there's some offensive issues with that group. Luckily, you can start to mix in some other guys, shooters off the bench, uh, Richardson, out yesterday actually hasn't been a terrible three-point shooter start this year but as encouraging as the defense is as good as the double big unit looks and as sharp as switching and some of the other things that they're doing on defense is starting to look I think this team's fatal flaw is still that shooting You, you don't have reliable shooting anywhere on this roster and we saw it again last night 
they're piling up five, six stops to start the game. They're getting wide open looks for Smart and some other guys, and it doesn't matter. The shots just still aren't going down for this group. And Tatum is struggling immensely to finish right now. Brown hasn't been himself in terms of three-point shooting. So you look up and down this roster, again, something from Schroeder, something from Parker and Grant, those guys is really the only reason they're scraping by league average shooting right now. And Horford's really, as great as he's been, the kind of guy you have to look at right now and be like, all right, you got to start to knock down some of these open looks from three at some point. Yes, I think he's, I don't know what the stats are from these last couple games, but I feel like he's improved in recent outings. I know yeah, he, he was started one of 11. Slow, yeah. Slow. And then I yes. think he's hit a couple of the last few games. Yeah. Do you buy um, this talk about the new basketballs around the league? There, there's a lot of guys. Paul George was one that complained about, you know, these are now they're no spalding balls. You know, the, every, every time they go out, they say they feel different. Um, of course the, the different um, officiating the new rules makes it. So the offense is down, but do you, do you buy into that basketball complaint? Do you think it might be the reason for maybe Tatum struggles? It's funny. <laughs> I was on the court during the preseason game. It must have been the magic preseason game. And, you know, they were shooting and stuff, and a ball came flying my way, and I caught it. And I just tossed it right back. And, like, three writers next to me were like, oh, how'd it feel? How'd it feel? <laughs> Is it any different? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't really give it a good rub or anything like that. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> I, I actually didn't hear much about the new balls coming into the year. And, and then when that happened, I actually started to think about it a little bit more. I'm sure it could have a tiny impact, but I doubt anything substantial. You haven't heard too many people complain about it directly. You may actually said when they changed the ball years ago when he was playing, had an impact on him. So it's maybe something similar for some of these guys. But it's the officiating. There is so much contact being allowed right now in the lane. There are so many whistles being swallowed. And you know, the, the big one that everyone loves is the no leaning calls, the no creating contact. But yes. in general, we're seeing fewer free throws than ever before in league history to start this year. So the officiating shift has been dramatic. It's probably going to come back to a middle ground at some point. But I think that's the biggest thing we're seeing right now. And that's what's plaguing Tatum. There's no doubt about it. He's getting a tough whistle right now. He's going into the paint entering with a ton of bodies in his way they'll try posting him up on certain plays and the defense will collapse and that goes back to the shooting too uh tatum's got about eight potential assists a game this year and that just goes to show guys aren't finishing the shots off of his passes and i think that kind of goes into his mindset too of you know do i look to score do i look to pass here too if other guys aren't going to be finishing these shots fortunately in the last couple games i feel like there's been a greater level of trust between Tatum and Brown and Smart in particular to get those shots to Smart and trust him to do the right thing. Started rough against Miami, but you saw Smart start to get into the lane and get more advantageous spots to shoot at this point. Of course, everyone was thrilled to finally see Aaron Neesmith and Romeo Langford, and I wasn't buying it, but I had to do an apology cam last night. It made a big difference seeing some <laughs> of those young guys on the court. It did. One of my big things with Tatum in the first couple games was uh, obviously, he's been struggling all year, but you look at the games he struggled more. He's still jacking up 30 shots, and and they're, they're double overtime games too. But 30 shots in any game is is a lot. And and these last two, while he's continued to you know struggle to shoot the ball, he's taking less and he's passing more. So I, I've noticed that as well. And the potential assists hopefully will translate eventually as you know more shooters get better. I I don't know. Like you said, there's just not a ton of spacing on this team right now, and I don't know how they're gonna fix but, it. Yeah, yeah. It's, you're not going to be playing Neesmith and Langford. And Langford, you know, we haven't seen him at a high level of consistency from three in his career. He's getting better, mm -hmm. but you're not going to see these guys 25, 30 minutes a night. He hasn't been able to break into the rotation. So it's asking a lot for some of these guys that are way down the lineup to jump in just because they can shoot. I think it's going to be necessary, but somebody's got to step up in this regular rotation. And it's hard to imagine where it's going to come from. Schroeder. Everything he puts up, you know it's going to miss right off the fingertips. His release is so bad. Richardson's pretty similar. I have no real trust in his jump shot. And Smart, it's it's like worst it's ever been. I know it's only off by about one shot a game if you look at it statistically, but it feels like everything he throws up from three is a miss. And this is a big reason I was so frustrated with letting Evan Fournier go. Uh, he was so reliable behind the arc this year. He's 43% to start with the Knicks. It was a big price tag, but a non-guaranteed fourth year. 
I know there were some worries about a sign and trade down the line being impacted by keeping him around, but at the end of the day, it was tax. They were worried about tax with that contract, and it was a massive piece to lose. Like he was a starting level NBA player, and now just like last year, I'm sure we had the same conversation this time a year ago. Like there's just a missing fifth starter on this team right now, and that's why you're in double big again, just like last year. Yeah. I mean, I, I was thrilled with Neesmith yesterday, not even because of the, I mean, he looked great offensively, five of eight, I believe he was two of three from three. Not, I'm not positive on that. I think stat, it was three of five. Three of five. Yeah. It's still pretty good. But I mean, you forget how crazy he can be on the court, the way he hustles. Um, you know, he fell on top of, I think it was Morris yesterday. On the on the glass, he hustled full court. Not a guy you want to mess with either. Not no. a guy you want to fall no. on top of. Yeah. He hustled full court for a putback on a fast break layup. I mean, that's, that's just... Knock that ball off. Bam. Chase yes. Bam down. Another fast break. I mean, it was infectious. Yeah. I, I think that... And you saw everybody hustling yesterday. I think Rob Williams needs a big pat on the back, too. I thought he was great. On the offensive glass, he seemed like he kept a bunch of possessions alive. And it was it was big for them when, you know, Miami cooled off in that second quarter. And for a while there, they weren't doing anything about it. They were up like four. And yeah. uh, he started hustling and things picked up. Yeah, you, you see what this team's capable of when they're locked in on defense. This, this has real top 10 potential. I thought even maybe number one defensive potential in the league with some of the pieces they have. No weak links across the defensive units here. Uh, Schroeder's been a little bit worse on that end than I expected from him. I thought he was actually a better defender when he signed with the Celtics than I've seen so far. He gets lost in some of the switching, and he talked preseason about never really switching as much as the Celtics do to start this year. But to Eme's credit... I think he's kind of compromised on that a little bit. They did a lot of drop last night, and Horford killed in that regard, playing low and staying back. That helped Rob a bit, I think, as well, too. Uh, they were just a lot more uh, disciplined in the defense. Not everybody was switching every single time to the extreme like we talked about. And it was driving people crazy. I think that defense that Ime was starting the year with was frustrating for a lot of fans but you may said you know we're trying to master this early on we're trying to get our repetitions in this we're viewing this as an extended preseason because we barely had anybody in the preseason and once we get this down we can switch to some other things in the last two games they've started doing some drop they've started helping in the lane a bit more fighting through screens i think that did smart wonders being able to do that yesterday and it just felt like it was a brand of defense that the guys were more excited and more invigorated to play. And Horford shot blocking, Smart's hustle plays, Neesmith and Langford. Langford really helps their defense so much. Like his length, his ability to contest shots, and just his sense on that end is really sound. And when we were talking over the offseason about who's going to rise and who's going to kind of fall out of these rookies, even though Langford didn't have the best summer league, you knew his defensive floor was going to keep him involved. That was like a constant with Brad, and he made a defensive coach too, and you knew that Langford's defensive uh, intangibles were going to keep him involved. The thing is, he got hurt again to start this year. So like, you just hope he can start to string together a week or two of consistent play in the rotation because he'll be in it. He'll be in this rotation all year long the way he plays on that end. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing for me, you know, doubling back a little bit, uh, on the defensive end, obviously, in that Chicago game, which we don't we don't have to talk about much. They grabbed zero defensive boards in the fourth quarter. That was that's, unreal. That's ridiculous. And you've seen an improvement, at least uh, in the effort on the defensive glass since then, particularly, like you said, same with Rob. He's been huge. Uh, Neesmith last night hustling, even smart on those boards. Tatum, that, I, I Tatum think deserves huge. Tatum too. for yesterday. I, I was saying this to Jack earlier, Bob. Uh, you know, he had a rough shooting game. Again, obviously, zero points through three quarters. But contrary to what we've seen so far, he really looked like he was still engaged, wasn't down on himself, and he was still getting a lot of deflections and crashed in the glass. So I, I was really pleased with that, despite the struggles continuing for him offensively. Yeah, and they, they did show some zone looks, too, on defense that I thought he'd look great in, deflecting balls, getting in passing lanes. That's some of his best stuff he does, backside blocks. It does a lot of great things about Tatum when he's engaged and active on the defensive end. They can make him as good as any, I'd say, four in the league right now in terms of defensive versatility and just uh, what you give on that end of the floor. I've been so frustrated watching his defense just kind of fall off a mountain as a graph. I think it's a defensive plus minus since 
right around the time he got COVID, just an all-out collapse because, you know, he was borderline all defense in 2020 in the bubble there and just haven't seen any of that from him the last year or two. You wonder the lasting effects of COVID. But really what we've seen through the start of this season is offense impacting his defense. He's talked about that. I think he's the quintessential example when Ime talks about that. Not getting calls, missing shots point blank, not getting jumpers to go. Those are all things that I think impact him on the defensive side of the floor when that happens. And that was a massive reason I think they collapsed against Chicago was the offense bleeding into the defense, transition defense, especially in that game. So, yeah, like that was one of my big takeaways too, Sam, last night. Even though he was 0-7, still being that involved and dedicated to the defensive end of the floor was so crucial because they need to be. You know, Miami started the game hot. They built the lead. Duncan Robinson started going off, and they yeah. were finding good shots throughout the course of this game. It's just the Celtics threw a lot of looks out there that threw Miami off, and were able to contest a ton of shots too, which I thought was great. Turnovers too. You know, this is the active, uh, just disruptive team that Eme wanted them to be, and in that second quarter, the Heat completely fell apart, just tossing the ball all over the place. To double back to what Jack was saying with Tatum, that O of seven you mentioned is a big positive. You know, Jack, you were mentioning how he just keeps chucking when he's not doing yeah. well. So to see that change was great as well. Only taking seven shots. And I, I brought this up before you hopped in the call, Bobby. Do you know Duncan Robinson took 17 threes last night? Yeah, it looked like it. And they were good that's, looks. That's crazy, though. Se- imagine having that much of a green light. Like, that's, oh, my God. Yeah, he was really off. And that's where you start to look at last night. Like, they made big progress, but he was completely off after that hot start. Lowry was doing ridiculous things on the ball, and I'm a huge Lowry fan, but he was just tossing it all over the place. Uh, Bam looked off to me, so that was kind of probably just them hitting a wall after that 6-1 and start to some degree. You you take it against an awesome Mm -hmm. team, the number one defense in the league, what the Celtics were able to do out there, but... I don't think the Celtics as a team, you know, snapped their fingers and solved everything in one night or two nights when you include that ma- magic game, too. I think it's going to be a grueling November when you look at the schedule mm-hmm. and what's ahead yes. between the Mavs on Saturday, Lakers coming up, Bucks next Friday, Nets later in the month. It's a ton of road games, a bunch of games packed together. And fortunately, they're healthy right now. That's a huge thing after what they've yep. gone through early this year. So they can at least start to develop some cohesion. Yeah, December looks rough, too. They've got Philly twice. They've got a big West Coast road trip. It's going to be a tough end of the year for the Celtics. I did want to go back and talk a little bit more about that shooting you mentioned, uh, and you talked about how there's no real way to fix it. And I know Sam hates talking about trades, but obviously the Celtics have a glaring, you know, $17 million trade exception again. Giving it some thought so far. (laughs) We're going to start this already. (laughs) Hey, you might as well with the way they've been shooting, like you said. And I found a few guys that fall under that that are reasonable – um, obviously the trailblazers are off to a bad start. Norm Powell, they extended him, but he falls under that. Uh, you don't want Luke Kennard's defense, but he, he shoots the lights out. So there's him as well. And then Jeremy Lamb in Indiana, they haven't uh, been great this season either. So those are three that I found, but I, I don't know if you had any ideas in that regard or you haven't even given it any thought yet, but I haven't given it a deep level of thought. There was a guy I thought fell under that total for a while that I was thinking about when they got it. And then I finally checked and looked into it and he exceeds it by just a little bit. And that was Eric Gordon, who I think that was a guy you mentioned with the Hayward trade exception and a guy who's been kind of on the trade block for years there in Houston with the big extension they gave him. Leading the league in three-point percentage right now, I think. He would be the perfect addition to this team this year but he like I think he's like 300,000 over that TP or something like that so they just miss out on him with how that went down with Fournier there so you know you're thinking about guys like maybe Doug McDermott in San Antonio who just signed there if things don't go well for them I think he falls under that total maybe just by a little bit um Thad Young is there too who's you know sort of that hybrid wing big type who can shoot a little bit I don't think there's a magic cure for some of the issues on the Celtics here. And I think Brad is going to kind of fall down that Danny line of really preferring to use this in the offseason when they can try to make some things happen in a bunch of different ways. I don't suspect that they're going to use this TP this year. It feels like a bit of a bridge year to me. Um, so we'll keep an eye on it. But really, I, do, I don't see anybody who jumps off the page as going to be potentially available. A lot of these guys the Spurs types, the, um, you know, Marcus Morris's other guys on contenders. It's, 
you know, there's a lot of guys who fall under this price tag here, but I'm just not sure that they're going to be available when it comes down to it at the trade deadline. KCP, Kyle Kuzma, they're on good teams. Kennard, you know, I don't know how good the Clippers are going to be this year, but yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'd want Kennard anyway on that three-way deal. So we, we'll see. It's tough. That's why I brought up Lamb because the Pacers look ugly, and you could look at the Pelicans too because some of these teams, the, the NBA is in a weird spot this year. Some teams you thought were going to be really good are doing poorly, like the Pelicans. Obviously Zion's out, but he has issues of his own. Zion I mean, is not going to yeah. make that much of a difference. I don't think he might need some conditioning. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to play this year at all. I wouldn't be stunned if Zion misses yeah. this whole season. That's Jones a mess. Fracture, the weight, the conditioning, mm. how careful they've been with him in the past. It's it's bad down there in New Orleans. And then you already got them looking out the door. You know, yes. it, mm-hmm. it's 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 terrible for that franchise right now. Yeah, right now. I mean, obviously it's early and you don't want to make judgments. But, I mean, with the way Jaws playing, with the way RJ's playing, it's it's not looking too hot for Zion and the Pelicans. But I, I'm sure they're turning turn it around. He's a, he's a great talent. It's just I think Jock could win it. MVP this year. He's been that he's, good. He's incredible. I mean, I was talking with a guy on the Heat on my podcast yesterday, and it's like, all right, Kahira win most improved, and he's like, most improved? I was thinking about six man, you know, he's in there with Ja and all that different kind of stuff, and most improved, the two, I guess, and I'm like, Ja, most improved? Ja's MVP candidate right now, 30 points a game, (laughs) just leading the Grizzlies to competitiveness when no one else there would be able to do it. He has had such an impressive early career, and I actually heard this comparison on Twitter the other day, and it I've been looking for like that next KG type just in terms of personality and outsized impact on the floor. And he's not seven feet, which I think was so <laughs> critical to what KG was on the floor. But everything else, you look at the way Ja plays and the ferocity of his impact and just how wide of an impact he has across the floor. I think there's some parallels there. I didn't hate the comparison. Yeah, and I think where the NBA rule changes have hurt guys like Trey Young, I feel like they definitely help people like Ja. I mean, obviously he's not going to get as many calls, but he can be as physical as he wants. Like he, he's going down there. It, it's a tough game and that's the way he plays. So uh, he's definitely one of the guys that doesn't affect as much, which and hard and held Harden down for a minute. <laughs> and then he had that like 17 free throw game and it just, the floodgates oh, yeah. opened with him. He found another way. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's wild how the rule changes are going. I Do you so like the rule changes to see him struggle? How can you not love them? These games have been competitive to start this year. Low scoring, more defense, uh, more just stops piling up and teams being able to make some runs. The shooting's still there. It's still going to be there at the end of the day. So it's not like we're going to be looking at 86, 73 games, even though it's been down a little bit, probably to 90, 80 type games this year. I think it's going to find a great medium ground. I don't think anyone ever liked the leaning fouls watching that. Some of the stuff Trey and Luca and... Harden did it's and you know it didn't affect the Celtics all that much either if that's how you look at it none of the Celtics guys were ever guys who were finding their way to the free throw line through that type of thing and their free throws are up this year they're not getting to the basket a ton which is concerning early on I think the centers have something to do with that too Uh, so there's definitely some uh, concerns for the Celtics offense but none of them have to do with the officiating which is good Kemba did a lot last year but uh, he, he's in New York shooting 50% from three. 48, so 48 tried it on. Yeah, right. <laughs> him too. Oh, that was that was great. Yes, I, I know what you're talking about. He jumped right into the guy and threw his hands up. Mm-hmm. Loved it. That was beautiful. Um, Something else you brought up a little earlier, Bobby, that Sam and I wanted to touch on. Uh, Josh Richardson's been doing all right, like you said. But with the way Neesmith played, it, is it looking like you think he can take the minutes away from Josh? Obviously, you want that veteran you know, leadership or whatever. And he obviously has the resume to back up um, getting minutes, you know, defensive prowess. He can add a little playmaking in there. But with the way Neesmith hustled and how much he elevated the Celtics offense last night with his shooting, it's hard for me to find an argument that Richardson should be getting significantly more minutes than Neesmith at this point. And I know it's one game, but you take that, add what he did in summer league, add what he did at the end of last year. It's a tough argument to make. Yeah, and I think Ime has a tight rotation. I think that's how he's run things so far. And they view Richardson as part of this rotation. They view Langford as part of this rotation, I believe. So that's, you know, four or five wings there if you include Horford in that group who Neesmith has to jump here. It's sort of like a standings thing where you might be two games behind the playoffs, but there's three teams in front of you. And that's kind of where Neesmith's looking at right now. It's 
it, that's why he wasn't getting any minutes at all. There's just too many wings in front of him and took an injury, took a couple guys going down here and sort of a wing-heavy approach matchup in Miami to finally break him through. I think there are things with Neesmith just in terms of his lack of dribbling right now and the way he plays defense. The hustle's out of control. It's it's awesome. But you watch and the way he gets caught under screens and the path he takes to contest shots and just some of the fundamental things I think they're looking to build from him on defense. They're not super impressed with him on that end of the floor. And I think that is something that holds him back. Held him back with Brad. And he may, you know, as many different things as there are between Brad and Ime looking at it so far, in terms of some of the things they value on the court and some of the things that go into their decision-making and rotations and minutes and all this stuff, veterans versus young guys, I think there's a lot of similarities between the two. So I wouldn't expect a ton of Neesmith going forward. But at some point, Ime is going to have to look at this and say, all right, how do we find a balance between what we're doing on defense? And they were great in those minutes with Neesmith and Langford and the bench out there on the defensive end of the floor. And how do we add some shooting? Because you look at Neesmith shooting, he goes through some inconsistent streaks. But if we add up all his shooting through the start of this year, through summer league, through the end of last season after he had that big slump to start the year, He's a pretty steady 40, 39, 40% three-point shooter at this point, and the Celtics really don't have that anywhere else. Do you think um, it's fair to attribute the struggles so far this year to the inconsistency in playing time? I feel like, you know, in a play, a young player in that kind of role, it's tough to keep yourself consistent when you're not seeing the floor, you're out there pressing. When yeah, you're, no, the 10 start, I think you could attribute to that for sure. Uh, that New York game that you got thrown into on opening night was just so out of control. The pace back and forth and the spots that he was put in there to take a few shots was pretty hectic. And I, I don't think that was a great environment for him to succeed in right off the bat there. And then he kind of got lost after that. So last night was a lot more calm, a lot more um, you know balanced of a spot for him to jump into. It's just where is he going to be able to consistently find long runs of minutes here and get into games and find that rhythm. You know, he's too good for the G League. I don't think he's a guy who's going to end up in the G League at all this year. Uh, but you're still kind of stuck in that middle ground. And again, I'm not a huge Richardson fan. I'm not the biggest Romeo fan in the world at all. But I do kind of understand why these guys have the minutes set in place before, before them, just because of how solid fundamentally the things that they do on the floor are. Richardson's that guy, though. If Richardson's shooting falls off, if he just doesn't seem to be a great fit within the flow of this offense and isn't making an outside sized impact on defense, that's the kind of guy Neesmith has to shoot the pass. But I don't know. You just look at this team fully healthy, and it's hard to fit Neesmith into one of those slots unless they go wing-heavy in games. And maybe that's something they eventually decide to do given the big depth that they have. Grant, like he's been awesome shooting-wise to start this year, but you throw him out there within the flow of things. On the defensive end, with the switching that they do, it can be a disaster with Grant out there. And uh, you know, Last night, the turnovers killed Grant in that third quarter, just tossing the ball away left and right and not being able to hold on to it. Those are certain things that can make a boost in Neesmith minutes in certain spots. But I do think the people who were frustrated that Neesmith was in like a DNP spot that was fair. You know, you probably need some amount of Neesmith on any given night. Yeah, and we're talking about shooting. And uh, obviously, like we said, it's such a stark difference seeing Ime's tight rotation versus Brad last year throwing Tremont Waters into the starting lineup. It's <laughs> it, it, it's such a big difference. And then you see guys who were consistent for the seas last year, uh, shooting-wise, in Pritchard and Neesmith. And th they're getting these DNPs. Obviously, Pritchard's getting more DNPs this year, and I, I don't think he had any, you know, uh, coaches' decision DNPs last year. So uh, I think it's important to find a balance there because while Schroeder is obviously the better player, Pritchard shooting is just something like you said. There, there's there's none of it from Schroeder right now because his form is so so off. So what do you see as the balance there? Uh, obviously, you want the better player on the court, but if shooting is this big of an issue, I, I don't I don't know how you can't you know throw in some Pritchard and Neesmith. Yeah, I, do. I just don't think that's how Ime looks at it when you listen to him talk. And even with Smart, let's see, 28% from three on the season now at this point. Something like, like that, yeah. He looks at it with Smart as, all right, he's getting open looks. We're creating quality looks for this guy, and it's just not falling right now, and eventually it'll start falling. It's I don't necessarily agree with that because, again, I think some of these guys at the end of the day, even open shooters, aren't the most consistent guys in the world. I mean, Grant, you look at Grant's shooting percentage against how open he is, 
that's kind of things you have to factor in when you think about how good of a guy is shooting. Like Grant should be shooting well over 40% with the amount of space he has from three. And, you know, Smart should be in the 30s given the looks he's getting. And you got to factor that in when you start to judge some of these guys as shooters to start this year. But everything Eme has been saying, it's about creating the quality looks as opposed to how it finishes. And unfortunately for this group, that spacing does seem to bleed into some things. And it's not just shooting. You know, to bring it back to Rob, something's up with Rob just in terms of his yeah, rolling and his agree. finishing to mm-hmm. start this year. He doesn't look the same. I don't know if he's heavier. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the knee uh, condition that he started off the year with and had to miss a game with entering. Because especially in that Chicago game, you saw some of these downhill rolls that he was trying to get free on against Tony Bradley and the other guys there Chicago was thrown out. He couldn't get any separation at all. Normally, it's easy for him to get downhill and catch a lob. It, it's perplexing, and it's kind of concerning, frankly, because if you didn't have shooting, you at least expected Rob with his downhill runs to be able to space the floor a little bit and pull the defense back off guys. Right now, the spacing on this team is just a mess. and like I don't think you can force minutes to these young guys to try to fix it. I don't think that's the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and before you jump in here, Sam, I, I know you probably no want to give your thoughts. I, I'm looking at... The stats here, the Celtics generate the fifth most wide open uh, threes per game in the NBA, around 20.1. Really? They shoot shoot the fifth worst at 34.3%. The only team that takes more and shoots worse is the Bucs who take 20.3 and shoot 30.9%. So like you said, you hit hit the nail on the head. They they generate all these shots, and maybe it is that they're going to start falling. But with the way Smart shooting and the way he shot over the years, it's ugly right now to see this many wide open shots be missed. No, and that's a good question for Ime. That's a great stat to throw at him. It's like, what do you do with that? You know, like you're thrilled with the way the offense is moving. The assist rate's way up. It's like three percentage points higher than last year from 27th to 12th. Uh, So they're getting the movement and the looks that they want right now. It's just that they don't have the personnel to finish. If they had some shooters, like the offense could really be rolling at a high rate right now. And you'd probably see Tatum and Brown doing much better too. Yeah. I, I think it's so funny. We were talking about the shooting percentage compared to how open the guy is. And all I thought of was Shemi Ojale, you know, yeah. I, he signed Milwaukee. <laughs> and I remember looking at like Milwaukee's tweet, welcoming him. And everyone was like, you know, what is he? And people were saying he shoots almost 40% from three. And I saw somebody reply and make the fantastic point. Yeah, but all his shots are wide open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the most fake 40% ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, that's, that's definitely an issue. Yeah, that's probably why the Bucks are taking more and missing more than the Celtics yes, this season. Dishing to Shemmy. The Shemmy Ogilvy effect. No, it's it's frustrating to see. And obviously you saw it in, in that Bulls game the most um, before Smart made the comments uh, that he made, you know, Tatum not passing the ball enough. Well, Tatum, Tatum passed the ball well in the fourth quarter, I would argue, of that game. And then you had – I went over the stat after the game, Bobby. They had five wide-open looks and, I believe, three open looks in that fourth quarter, and they missed them all. Schroeder so, airballed one. Yeah. <laughs> that it's, triple team. <laughs> it's painful. And you can't be doing that in the NBA. And uh, like you said, that's something maybe – people need to ask you Udoka a little bit because at what point do you make that change and give you know some of these other guys a chance not that they're better players but just for the fact that you're missing these wide open threes um and I mentioned the smart comments and I'd like your thoughts on that as well because that was obviously a huge story but do, do you think that do you agree with his comments first of all and second of all do you agree with the way he went about doing it I've thought a lot about them I think my initial reaction and of course brad sort of viewed it as an emotional moment maybe something he shouldn't have done in that spot but understanding how guys come off in those environments after tough losses i think it was understandable in that spot for him to be able to vent his frustration and give a solution to what was going on early in the year because i think a lot of the noise coming out of the locker room and email at that point was that we're fine you know we're getting better we're seeing some positive signs here and it's like all right like we gotta light a fire under some guys here and smart's approach was to call out the stars on the team and i think some of it was valid i think that he made a decent point in terms of just being able to trust guys and get off the ball and allow others to do some things in those spots when they're getting jammed up but you do look at the film going back on it and not only did tatum move the ball when he was getting doubled and blitzed in those spots but brown didn't have the ball at all so you started to think at least on that game it didn't really ring true. And 
you know, the thing that bristles me a little bit more, and I think probably bristles the stars on this team out of that comment and the long comment that he gave is just how much he looked at himself. I got to be able to do more. I'm stuck in the corner. What am I supposed to do? Blah, 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 blah. There was no real accountability on himself through that passage through a grueling start to the year for Smart. Uh, Just a terrible offensive performance up to that point. Other than I've been shooting rough. And there was more to it than just some rough shooting from Smart to start this year. Not getting inside at all. If you're the point guard of the team, you have to get into the thick of the defense. Not generating free throws like he did the year before. And Smart was sick. You know, I think he gets a pass to some degree for that opening week of the year when he was pretty sick. But nobody was looking at him while he was sick and saying, oh, is Smart going to pass the ball more? Is he going to take less threes? Not even Ime, as tough as he was to start this year. Ime never criticized Smart and his play and some of the things he was doing to start this year. And I asked him a couple of questions about Smart's start, and he just took a very cordial approach against Smart. So I think what bristles at this team stars and is some of the source of the strife between I think at this point, we got to imagine it's the Jays as much as we talk about the Jays relationship and smart on the other side is, is there accountability for smart? He's trying to hold everybody accountable all the time and it's necessary. It's useful. I think it's a big reason he's still here, but is there ever accountability for some of the things smarts doing? Because it was not a good start to the season for him. And the more I thought about it, I thought things he said were valid. But I also understand why some of the critics of Smart in that spot were like, is he really the right one to be talking about this? Thing is, who else is going to do it, you know? So it was it was concerning, though, that the next night you had that players-only meeting and Woj's description of it was maybe not all that beneficial, <laughs> which was just such a funny line to me. I, I agree with you on um, the most of that. It's so funny. I I feel like the part where he complains about being stuck in the corner is more valid than the non-passing. Cause it, like you say, you go back and you watch that fourth quarter and Tatum was trying to pass the ball. Guys just weren't hitting shots. I think the problem is, and I've said this to Jack is okay. Sure. Those guys are going to be in control of the game, but he is right. A lot of those guys are just being asked to stand there while they try and score on their own. And I, I don't think that's a good thing to be doing, especially when the whole game, you're kind of, Moving the ball, cutting, you know, running offense, and it it comes to a halt sometimes, and it happened last year too. Yeah, you see some of the plays they run throughout the course of the game to get movement, and then you see later in the game, like I posted that screen grab of just three guys on Tatum <laughs> in the corner, and everybody else just glued to the three-point line. It's like, can you run something? And, you know, I, I kind of get stuck on smart Ime got asked about his usage and whether there's a difference between how Smart thinks he should be playing and how he, how the Celtics view his role. I think it does come down to crunch time versus flow of the game. You know, Smart's the point guard throughout much of the game, and then it goes to the Jays late. And that's what Smart's talking about. Like, it's predictable. You know, you're not setting up the Jays in other areas to succeed off the ball, not running things for them. You're just attacking head on. And if you get trapped, you're kicking out to these shooters who, as we talked about all show, aren't great shooters. So the offensive approach in those spots is frustrating. I also don't think Smart's comments were necessarily just about that night. I wrote about that double overtime Wizards game, and that was one where you look at Tatum's ball handling and decision-making as a point guard, and it's still not where it needs to be. You start to compare Smart and Tatum in those spots, and I still think Smart has an edge in those areas. It's just that Smart has his flaws, too. Like you, you need to be able to get downhill and generate consistent pressure on the basket if you're going to be a point guard. And instead, he's just sort of a spot up guy who's taken 75% of his shots from three. And mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of leverage you generate against the defense doing something like that. He started to switch it up against Miami, which was really refreshing to see. They got him in some pick and roll action against Orlando. But the dynamic between those three guys at the top. It's understandable why there's just a little bit of friction there. And we didn't even talk about those lapses where Brown just doesn't get the ball. That Chicago game, yep. not it's taking ridiculous. a shot until three minutes left. And, you yeah. know, some of that's on him. They try to pl- run a play for him at the end of that overtime game against Washington, and he just couldn't get the ball. And smart- Tatum ends up taking that fade away. Uh, Brown, it's, some of it's on Brown, too. And that goes back to Ime's, like mind-boggling comment about Brown, too. Just how he almost takes himself out of the game when he doesn't get the consistent looks. And this team is just brutally, we talk about the shooting they're missing, feels like they're missing a point guard now too. And with how they're utilizing Smart, 
does make you second guess that extension a little bit. It's like if he's playing in this role, how can he get better and how can he warrant not only a long-term commitment into his 30s, but uh, a pay bump expecting him to get better overall as a player. I don't know where he can get better as a player in this role. Yeah, that Chicago game, Brown took two shots in the fourth, Tatum took eight, and with the way the game was going, that that's not okay. But the smart thing, I, I agree with your point in that sense, and this is why I kind of sort of liked what Smart said, maybe not the way he went about it in the media, but from what we heard, he said that in the locker room multiple times. The way he was being used as the quote-unquote point guard was, okay, dribble the ball up to half court, then dump it off to the Jays, and then go stand there. And that that's not what a point guard does. And to some degree, yes, it's his fault that he's not shooting particularly well. He wasn't attacking it as well as he could have. But I think in these past two games, you know, uh, Orlando and Miami, where they won both games, uh, might I add, he's taken on more of this playmaking role and he, he's passing the ball better. And you can well, see him picking the ball. Helps, like Bob <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You dump it to Rob, you dump it to these guys, you, you make these smart passes. And even when he receives the passes from Tatum, he's getting good looks, obviously, and they're not falling. But even when he's not taking the looks, the ball keeps moving and the whole. Uh, offense looks a lot better with him being more active and the Tatum thing which I, I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit as well Tatum right now and I brought this stat up last time ranks fourth in the league in isolation per, uh, percentage at 24 percent and he's shooting 29 percent on isolation attempts like what 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 is that offense that makes no sense right that, that's that's ridiculous frequency for just horrendous percentage and a part of that I would say is definitely the offense's fault you know he's forced to take some of these crazy looks but that high of a frequency you got to look at the player too right yeah and his post-up stats aren't great they want to allow him to do some of this stuff because they like get attacking mismatches with the players they have in certain spots and that was kind of core to Ime's philosophy is we're going to be a ball movement team but if we have mismatches we're really going to clear out and attack those and take advantage of them and unfortunately this goes for Horford too uh, guys haven't been able to finish in those spots. You know, when Horford posts up a smaller guy a lot of the time, he's having trouble finishing on those plays. <laughs> I have Horford's uh, post-up frequency here, just to back up your point. He's fourth in the entire league in post-up frequency at 24.2%, but he shoots 27.8% on those attempts. Yeah, and that's something Brad would have never, ever dreamed of doing, and Ime has a much bigger stomach for but it's not working right now. The isolation looks when they're finding them switching on to some guys. He's not able to leverage himself in that spot. And, you know, part of it's the offense, as you mentioned. Part of it's Tatum. We're two years into him not looking like a great isolation player, which is concerning for his upside. Um, but at the same time, with how bad it's been early this year, see him riding the bike, see him doing some other things and just going three quarters scoreless unimaginably. In that Miami game, I almost wonder if something's off physically with him because it's been so bad percentage-wise. He's nowhere near what you look from and see from him in his career, especially from the three-point line. Something's off bad with him right now. Maybe it's just a mental thing, and he's going through it early in this season. He's gotten off to slow starts before, but you do see him going to that bike every time he goes off the court, and it does make you wonder. Is something off physically? Maybe nothing that would... Uh, you know, he would use as an excuse or anything that would cause him to miss time. But is there just something nagging there that's preventing him from, especially finishing at the basket? What's he, 44% inside? Just ridiculously low. I, I don't know how you fix what Tatum's going through right now. You can find him some looks off the ball, I, I'd imagine, and they do. Uh, you, can, you would normally say post him up and get him some easy looks in that area. But nothing looks easy for Tatum right now, and that's the problem. I think it's tough for him. Not that it's necessarily a new thing, but he does get the majority of the attention from the other team's defense, which as fans, you know, it's different for me and Jack than you as a writer. You know, you discuss defense and a lot of the time I don't ever notice defense. I've gotten better. I have gotten better, <laughs> but defense um, doesn't matter. That's no, no, it matters. <laughs> it's not what I watch. It's not something I see, but I've started to see it more. But I mean, they really key on him. So. It is difficult. It's just not something that he the gets, average Well, I mean, who gets a triple team? <laughs> I mean, yes. That was so crazy to see against Chicago. Yes. Uh, and, and he wasn't playing well. And their personnel makes it so easy for the teams to play him like that. Like, this Celtics team, like, you know, I'm sure we're going to have some optimistic runs this year and some positive stretches. But there are so many fatal flaws with this roster when you look at it that are going to be so hard to work around this year unless... Like, I guess the great hope is those young guys stepping up and emerging and one of them taking a big leap this year, which doesn't look like it's going to happen so far. 
but the veterans that they've brought in between Schroeder, and I know we haven't talked a ton about Schroeder. That's a guy who has cut in on Smart's ball time too, and maybe might be grading at him a little bit in that regard because he's been an awesome creator, and they've had to go to him as a point guard for large stretches this year. But I like I I looking back on that Thunder year where he was a six man candidate and he hit almost forty percent of his threes. Like it's hard to imagine how that happened because it, it he doesn't even resemble that guy right now. It's crazy. No, it's very frustrating. I mean, th- that was sort of my ideal situation coming in, right? He didn't even shoot poorly last year in L.A., and now he's coming to Boston, and clearly, like the eye test tells you, he's not a three-point shooter. Um, the theory on Tatum, our, our friend, you know, uh, Tim Shields brought up, you know, Tim, um, Tatum supposedly worked out at a gym this summer with Russell Westbrook's trainer. Uh, and if you're, <laughs> the, the strength, I mean, hey, shooting wise, if you're getting that strong and he's very visibly like heavier and stronger and has the usually effect. Literally, I mean, it could be right. Like shooting know, wise, at the very least. Gain weight? Did it do bad for all of them, Rob? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> rounds up two pounds now. He put on his story. And the one person who lost weight, Grant Williams, is shooting forty <laughs> percent. Yeah. Uh, no, but that, like that's too hard. when you make your guy and all the physicals like affect how you can shoot. <laughs> yeah, in in real life, two K stats yes. there, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's just weird to see the shooting down. That Schroeder thing in particular is really confusing. Um, obviously he was amazing in OKC, and and you see glimpses of it, right? Like him driving to the basket looks great. Uh, he's leading the team in assists right now, which is crazy considering Smart was supposed to be the point guard. Yeah, he's uh, been a saving grace for them. And he's had good shooting stretches, too, early on in the year. He got off to a good start when no one else was, which saved them a little bit. Jabari Parker did that, too. Yes. And yeah. Grant got off to... There was, like, the three weirdest candidates to salvage him spacing for the team. And Richardson's percentage actually doesn't look bad to start this year. Again, you go back to that wide-open thing, though, and, you know, the volume they we've seen him do it at, I don't think it's going to sustain itself. So... I don't know. This this team, I said from the start, can a team like this win without shooting? And the, the stats don't really look good in that regard. You know, they're a 33% team. You look at their career uh, for all of these guys collectively throughout their entire careers. You add up all their three-point numbers, it's 33%. And in line, the Celtics at 33% to start this year. So they pretty much are who they are as a shooting team, it looks like. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Schroeder playing well. Has there been a point where you thought starting him over Smart, in like instead of Smart, not alongside Smart, would be the best move? Or do you think Ime is so stuck to his rotations that this is the lineup we'll see for the year? No, I actually like them together. You know, you got the shooting Agreed. concerns there, but they've posted good numbers together. They're a disruptive duo defensively when they're in position and they're connected. Schroeder's had such a tough time getting the system down. It feels like tougher than anybody else. Uh, so he's had his lapses, and he did again last night on that end. But you do like the attitude and disruptiveness of those two together in the backcourt. And if you don't have shooters in the backcourt anyway, I guess you might as well just go with your best pair there from uh, from the out jump. And, you know, that's probably going to be a thing you look at where there's a matchup that double big doesn't bode well against. Probably want to go through those lineups throughout the course of a game more than you would putting double big out there against some wing heavier teams. I thought that was kind of the thinking last night to some degree too. But Schroeder and uh, Smart numbers look good together in spite of the shooting. Uh, Schroeder needs to play as much as possible. It feels like just to keep the ball movement going. And uh, you know, it's kind of tough having a guy who's almost like a mercenary. There's no chance he's going to be back with the team next year, and there's going to be nothing you build on with Schroeder this year. Uh, unless he just becomes happy as a mid-level minimum guy, which I can't imagine he's going to. Uh, So he's kind of this guy who's just coming in, trying to do big things for the next contract and play as well as he can this year, which can be frustrating. You kind of want a guy you can invest in a little bit more there. Uh, Maybe mid-season, if he's got some value, you end up flipping him for a shooter. You know, maybe that's a direction you go in there and say, all right, he's not going to be back next year anyway. Maybe this other team needs some point guard help. And we end up getting a shooter out of this. So I think you play Schroeder a ton this year and try to get what you can out of him. I also think uh, to you know piggyback onto your point, if you start those two guys together, it allows you to give Pritchard some more run off the bench. You know, you got two of your top point guards, I guess, if you will, in that starting lineup. So him as the third guy will get more of an opportunity off the bench instead of Smart coming out, Schroeder going in. I mean, it doesn't always work exactly like that, but it, it just seems like 
it'll work better if they want Pritchard in the game. Yeah, 100%. Maybe you can get Richardson some more looks on the ball in a second unit type look in that setup. Uh, yes. He he did well in that. That was at the Orlando game, I believe. What, what was his better game recently? Was it Chicago? He had a decent game recently. He had a good one against Washington away, I think. For some reason, I remember that. I could be completely wrong. But... It was one of those games in there where he actually gained some traction in recent nights. Uh, so he's a guy that needs the ball in his hands. There's not a lot of ball time for everybody here. Obviously, that's something that's being talked about a ton around this group. So... Uh, we'll see what ends up happening. It's an awkward, it's an awkward team, top to bottom. I don't think they're as deep as we thought they were going in. Uh, so they've stayed tight, and some guys who are kind of caught on the outside right now are going to have to make the leap. So we'll see. It's definitely interesting. The last thing I wanted to to bring up before we start to wrap up here, uh, Jalen Brown obviously went down last night as we're recording this in the Miami game. Nice. Uh, they they listed it as hamstring tightness. Do you have any concerns about that, or do you think they would have listed it as worse if it wasn't just, you know, he, he might miss a game or two uh, day-to-day type of thing? You never know what to think with them. Uh, they said it's not a big concern after the game. Uh, he's gone through hamstring injuries be- before. I think the notable ones, 2018 against Philly, where it looked like that might take him out of the series, and he was right back and had a monster series. So he's a guy that plays through injuries well, bounces back from injuries fairly quickly, latest being that knee issue he had. And you do worry about the amount of injuries that pile up on him through the course of the season. I believe last year was hip, knee, ankle, and then wrist was the knockout blow. Uh, So this, (laughs) this is this pile up that he goes through. It's kind of what to expect from a guy who's always in transition and always going to the basket and always playing physical. He was awesome on defense last night. Best I've seen him in a long time on here. So you hope he bounces back quick. Might be something where he misses Saturday against Dallas and Tatum has to take the reins on, which would be fine because they have, uh, what's it, Sunday, Monday, two, they have three days off between Dallas and Toronto on Wednesday. So that would be a good four-day stretch to get him off, five days including today if they end up sitting him against Dallas. That should be fine. Yeah, hoping he can bounce back fairly quickly. That Last night versus Tyler Hero was definitely entertaining them. Got in a little scuffle, which is very funny. I yeah, saw a tweet on that guy from 22 points a game, the six was incredible. And that's your big yeah. takeaway last night. Yeah, it was great. I saw someone on Twitter uh, joke around saying, uh, Brown must have called Hero Bubble Boy to his face and you didn't like that <laughs> very much. So I thought that was entertaining. But uh, Sam, unless there's anything else you wanted to bring up, uh, I think we can start to wrap up no, here. No, I think we had a good... Good conversation today. Yeah, yeah. Good things fun, to talk but, uh, about at the very least. Yeah, at least they didn't lose. The, if they lost yes. uh, these past two Florida games, that would not have been a, okay. a very fun episode once again. But uh, yeah, thank you so much, Bobby, for joining us today. Uh, you can check Bobby out on Twitter at Real Bob Manning, uh, Boston Sports Journal, Celtics CLNS, uh, Celtics blog, all that stuff. Anything else I missed out there, Bobby? Nope, that is it. That's the That's the full plate there. <laughs> well yeah th- thank you so much for joining us we we always appreciate it thanks guys yeah so uh you guys can follow us at bannertown usa follow me at jackson nba and per usual sam i'll let you wrap up yes give bobby a follow uh he's always very willing to come hop on and chat with us uh good friend of the show make sure you follow bannertown at bannertown usa follow jack at jackson nba and follow me at sam lafrance nba that's our show for today bye